0: Kevin Barrett of Truth Jihad Radio saying that John F. Kennedy opposed Israel's nuclear weapons program and got shot. If you oppose Israel's nuclear weapons program please subscribe to Truth Jihad Radio. Go to truthjihad.com and click on the subscribe at substack button and stay out of Dealey Plaza.
1: Don't be, inhaling, don't be ingesting stay inside don't drink or eat anything these, these are, are important questions i understand that highest moment the last eight years hmm. highest moment the last eight years well i think that the most important the most compelling was uh, was 9-11 itself
0: Welcome to the live version of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, broadcasting live every Friday evening from an undisclosed location deep in the woods of western Wisconsin, taking on all of the most suppressed hot-button issues that you're not allowed to talk about in polite company, the mainstream media, or pretty much anywhere else except on this show and a handful of others like it. I try to bring on the most interesting folks I can find who have an outside-the-box perspective on current events. And one of the most interesting, provocative, and important is my first hour guest, Gordon Duff. Gordon is the senior editor at Veterans Today. It's a buzzing hornet's nest of ex intel types uh, telling truths rarely heard before about all sorts of things, including nuclear terrorism. Are mini nukes being used for terrorist attacks like the Big yeah, Report it be bombing? Up here
1: somewhere, I'm thinking.
0: That's the. Okay. Uh, question that gordon considers in his latest article so gordon can you hear me we have gordon on the line and he doesn't seem to be able to hear me i i can see him which uh is totally useless because it's a radio show so let me see if i can tell gordon to uh gordon if you can hear me turn off your camera and turn on your microphone (laughs) because uh, otherwise you're going to be in the silent movies and they went out of fashion in about 1929. Okay, turn off camera. And oh,
1: yeah. Turn on microphone.
0: No, Gordon here. does know how to use Skype. Because uh, I've seen Gordon uh, running all kinds of interesting Skype calls. Okay. Putting me on, okay. on Skype phone trees with former MJ-12 members and things like that. So he, he's a Skype whiz, and he's eventually going to figure this out, and but microphone. probably what's going on here is that camera.
1: camera that Gordon's is got
0: some new device that he mm-hmm. hasn't figured out how to use yet. He's always picking up some mm-hmm. fancy new device. He's like at least maybe a couple of dozen generations ahead of me. I'm still on my old uh, 2015 MacBook Pro, but I can't even imagine what Gordon's probably on. Gordon, can you hear me yet? He's apparently can't. He's still uh, putzing around. Testing one
1: two three. I've got microphone.
0: Yeah, I'm we working. hear you, Gordon. Let me let me tell him we hear you. Uh, so.
1: Can't, oh, I don't have speakers. They're probably screwed up.
0: He needs to find a way to get some speakers so he can hear us. On the other hand, he, we could just have a dialogue of the deaf, where Gordon just rants go. on, on all of his obsessions. And I pretend to ask oh. him questions. As I try to stay one step ahead of his obsessive rants. That might be an interesting radio show, but it would be introduced as evidence that we're both crazy conspiracy theorists at our upcoming trial. So I don't think it's a good idea to do that. Gordon,
1: can you hear me yet? There, finally. I I, I had my uh, camera unplugged because I've been playing video games here and and using oh, the. Uh, Aren't you too old for that? No, no. I, I'm not, uh, never
0: too old for video games.
1: No, you no. Know, that's a what a five hundred billion dollar business. I'm playing um, one of the, the redone Call of Duty things, anyway, where I'm running around with uh, running around in Eastern Europe shooting people. Uh, Isn't that kind of, of what you know, used to do for no a living? Yeah, like what I used to do for a living. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Hmm.
0: Reliving your lost youth in in uh, virtual form.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a lot easier and it's a lot more comfortable.
0: Yeah, well, maybe we should just put all the entire intelligence community inside a giant video game and let them shoot it out.
1: You know what i when I I look at the intelligence community and you know, and I would have to list in on the edges of the intelligence community. I'd have to list uh, Robert David Steele. And I was thinking about Robert today because he was staying here at the house. you stayed here. With me as well. We have one cat that loves that loved Robert David Steele since he's gone. But uh, he was like having a little kid stay at the house. You know, he's a he's a hilarious guy. But when it was down to discussing, we spent hours discussing CIA operations here. You know, you know, you're used to hanging around here with Carolyn, whatever, and. Um, For eight years, it was very clear that during his time in the CIA, uh, Robert was kept in the basement somewhere or (laughs) certainly not trusted, you know. um, Well, they let him
0: run a false flag operation. Oh, God. Maybe it wasn't the biggest false flag operation in history. He's never divulged any details. He says it's classified.
1: Well, you know, it's all these people that don't divulge things. Um, uh, I had an email today from Microsoft telling me that the FBI has been monitoring my Skype account since March, 2020, by the way. Now,
0: right. I think you mentioned that, that to me on Skype once, just as I was uh, about to spill the beans about okay. something, uh, very I, I uh, illegal.
1: <laughs> I was figuring that because they had, uh, i had gotten an email from Gene Khrushchev that had said that the FBI was monitoring his Skype account. Gene's a Russian diplomat. Um, and, uh, you know, so I figured they had me as well, but God, can I, what can I actually say here without doing anything bad? They'd gone to a judge with information they got from the Washington Post or whatever that said that all of us at VT were working for Russia, collecting the names of, uh, service people who applied for jobs through a job board run by some of the VT people back in California. And I don't even know those people, by the way, but they were secretly involved and, you know, getting names of people for the Russians so that they'd have names of people or for whatever reason, you know, a
0: likely story.
1: Yeah. Which was really silly. And, uh, instead the FBI I know was monitoring us, uh, because the fbi wanted to hire us um they're doing a background check you know and you know whether they hired gene or not i don't know i think he still works for the russian government as far as i know maybe you can work for both a lot if of he's people- working for
0: the fbi you better not tell the russian government and if he's working for the russian government you better not tell the fbi and if he's working for and, both you better not tell well, anybody
1: well that's the whole thing i i have a good feeling that you know it's not just robert hansen and pollard and that gang but uh an awful lot of people seem to work for both my issue with the fbi and and we had months of conversations about uh my is counterintelligence and and and, you know on that basis you know on the real world professional basis i work on tradecraft and counterintelligence yeah you're,
0: you're, you're like you're like the american version of james jesus angleton who was actually israeli but uh but not you.
1: <laughs> to, an, to, an, to an extent, yeah. You know, I do uh-huh. that. Anyway. And they don't have access to the, and to the people that you know either, for that matter. But they can't go into Syria and talk to General Ali Malouk, who's chief of security there. We're pretty good friends. You know, not that he wouldn't shoot me in the back of the head if it profited him. You know, that kind of friendship, the real world friendships. But you and I know an awful lot of people. I worked in a lot of countries, and I'm just a social person. So I've, you know, I've had dinner with just about everybody. I always get invited to stuff. But particularly for years, I got invited to stuff because I worked for the defense groups under the Rudana. is the Swiss company that handles the money for the, the princes in the Middle East. It's a, the only real trillion dollar hedge fund is Rudana investment. And I worked for Rudana.
0: I work You're for, working for Middle East princes. Oh man.
1: Well, you know, the, the Saudis and the UAE and these, you know, the, these, you know, camel driving assholes.
0: Yeah, a bunch of uh, total scumbags, but I, I guess taking their money probably didn't bother you too much.
1: Oh, the kind of, the kind of crap you'd get into is a, it's a typical request. Uh, Gordon, I was in uh, Luxembourg. I left my uh, uh, wallet in a whorehouse in the bathroom, and I came back two weeks later, and it was gone. And it had three million dollars in it. So, Gordon, I want you to go hire and whatever former CIA or FBI director, as it was in this case, I want you to go hire that person, former judge. You know, you think of the name here. Quarter million dollars to hire him. To go threaten the people to get my money back. And about every other day, it's that kind of thing, you know.
0: Well, at least they're not asking you to take a bone saw to somebody or whatever. But yeah, people are completely uh, crazy. I mean, it, at some point, didn't you start to kind of agree with radical Muslims like me that, that these hideous uh, medieval regimes in the Gulf should be overthrown?
1: Well, uh, my one friend in uh, the Emirates was uh, Falaknaz, who owns a lot of the stuff in Dubai. Anyway, Uh, he was a rug salesman, I guess, probably forty years ago. The Dubai Sports Center and all those towers and that little island—he owns most of that stuff with with investment partners. And every three or four years, he goes bankrupt, like Trump. I mean, lose. Billions and billions. They you just,
0: can make a lot of money going
1: bankrupt. They just give it back. But the deal was always with him and, and Maktoum, uh, who was had more money, who was funding Rudana. You know, at least the part I work with. You know, with the Damas and Four C Control, and um, but it was always involved in some kind of prank thing between these Arabs who all drive Bugattis who pay. $300,000 for a custom uh, solid gold license plate, find you, on a $500,000 car. But they were always pranking each other by short selling or screwing uh, each other on stock options or whatever. But always multi-billion dollar backroom deals. Because they're just going to get the money back anyway because they run the country and all the oil and everything else. And if they lose a few billion dollars, they just go pull it out of out of somewhere. I, I'm not sure where. But very little of it ever trickled down to stockholders. Very little, very seldom did any of it trickle down other than I probably spent over a period of years millions of, you know, traveling. And eating and staying in really good hotels and stuff like that, which you would have obviously enjoyed. And when you were out traveling, uh, visiting different companies or governments, and you represent money in its purest form out of the Gulf, you're at the front of the table with people no matter you know what kind of dipshit you might be, you know, even an American, you know. Uh, but I, I miss that to an extent. I like today, you know, know,
0: yeah, I I can like just staying at the halfway decent hotels and meeting the the really cool people who are plotting to take down all those jerks that you were working for. Like I I got to meet i had had dinner with General Soleimani's daughter in Meshad, for instance. You know, these are the people I like. I I honestly want nothing to do with those creeps you were working for. and I wouldn't take a penny from them and I would uh, risk my life to try and take them down and help out the folks who are trying to take them down.
1: Well, the kind of stuff we would do, we would be invited to London for meetings. And then there was always the London and the air show at Farnborough where we were displaying our spy equipment and satellites and stuff like that. And, um, Carol and I would generally get in the car and head out to the West Country and we'd be, you know, playing at archaeology. I don't know if you're a fan of Time Team, the British show, but I'm a big fan of that, um, or taking pictures or walking around in the middle of nowhere somewhere. uh, So uh,
0: what's Time Team? Like Doctor Who does archaeology or something?
1: Exactly. Uh, Tony Robinson is the presenter for Time Team. It ran for more than 10 years, and they would show up in someone's backyard on an invite uh, with a backhoe, dig up somebody's yard, knock down their garage. They had three days to find archaeology there and they would come back with a bone fragment and a piece of Roman tile, you know, and it would be a, a success. You know, uh, <laughs> time team is a big deal to people in Britain. They just brought it back a couple of months ago.
0: Hmm. Uh, I could see Monty Python doing the time team bandits and, and really knocking down people's houses. But Gordon, okay. you know, sh- shifting this back to the uh, the, the despots in the Gulf that used to uh, pay your bills uh, these some of these Gulf despots are apparently paying for some pretty bad things in Lebanon, like setting off, well, covering up at least uh, nuclear weapons and things like that. And that that was this article that uh, you wrote a while back, and you updated recently. It's heading for half a million views, and that's the official views. The unofficial, maybe it's in the millions.
1: You you said many millions. So, so, the, so let's talk a little bit about the video, that. the video on my account has hundreds of thousands of views, but the video was originally in Farsi. and uh, and there's another version in Arabic the Farsi version had 20 million views
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: Uh, I just picked up my copy you see a half million on my copy of it my copy was pulled off you know (laughs) television Uh, in the Middle East it was seen by everyone one of the issues for people who aren't following Lebanon uh, a judge in in Lebanon uh, and God, I I like the food there. I like visiting Lebanon. I have a few friends there. You probably do, too. Um, There's a lot of neat stuff to see in Lebanon. It's a cheap place to stay. Nothing works there. You know, the roads don't work. Everybody hates each other, you know. Uh, And everybody from Lebanon lived in Detroit at some time. I found
0: that yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, I met a lot of uh, Lebanese folks when I accidentally wandered into a, a Shia mosque on Ashura. I was just looking for a Friday mosque to pray in and I happened to, to pick that one on that date and uh, a bunch of those people were of Lebanese origin.
1: Well, the uh, the Farhats that's in Michigan, the powerful family that runs the Democratic Party, they're Lebanese, the Medawar family in their jewelry stores which are everywhere. Well, I've known them for forty years, long-time friends. My neighbors—you uh, live in Michigan; it's just loaded with Lebanese. And but you go to Lebanon. I remember I was there with remember Franklin Lamb.
0: Yeah, you used to have a kind of a running uh, thing going with Franklin Lamb, who was out there on the internet as a, a brave uh, upholder of the palestinian cause Ooh, but yeah. had some sort of dubious aspects that you guys went over and met him and then there was a big uh, a big to-do around i don't know want to go over all the details of that well
1: but... I, yeah because franklin franklin is allegedly dies anymore i mean people who instead of dying i think you know, we believe they're all crisis actors anyway. All the COVID dead certainly, seven, eight, maybe it's a million now, but they're all crisis actors. I'm absolutely Well,
0: wait, wait a minute. Is this Fetzer or is this stuff I'm talking to here?
1: No, no, I'm going to be a Fetzer guy again. Wait,
0: wait, Fetzer was hospitalized for COVID, and uh, he, still, he still questions whether it's real because he's a philosopher, and, you know, the ontological questions are always there, you know.
1: You know, Fetzer is a, Fetzer is a crank, basically. You know, I... I like him. I find him funny, and we we talk all the time. Still, we don't agree on anything, mind you. But I I still I get a lot of material that heads his direction that I don't want, and I I always send it there. So I maintain, and you and I don't agree on a pretty good number of things, and we still get along. You know. Yeah.
0: Well, we're we're a little we're a little closer than either of us is to Jim Fetzer, I think.
1: Well, Fetzer's. You know my my real point with Fetzer, it's the same point. I've Carol here. Um, Carol, we had we had Steele here for days, and how much real CIA business, when tested out, did Steele really know? Very little. Very little. And and a lot of other stuff. And we had, we go to outings. If you know this, the old spy business has a lot of outings. Um, the spy business has; they have clubs. I, God only knows, you know that. And you'd think they wouldn't have clubs, but it's clubs. You know,
0: uh, like, mean like retired CIA agent club. They have these. Oh uh, my God! Yes. Clubhouses? It's, like are they tree houses or are they better than that?
1: Oh no, it's uh, they. They actually have clubs and outings and bike uh, runs and all this stuff. And uh, I go to these things from time to time. You know, and, and Carol, you know, Carol goes along and it's a pretty tedious group of people. Um, you know, the things that, you know, the real end that I went through days and days of this stuff with you know, FBI people because they, they don't really understand much of it. I remember going through this stuff with Rocky Polarance, who was, was mayor at one point of Miami. But when he was in FBI Supervising in Miami, the '70s. Um, There's always been a huge hatred for the Central Intelligence Agency, you know, by the FBI and the
0: FBI. Well, everybody hates the CIA.
1: Well, the point being is you have one organization, the FBI, where they all work for Hoover, and Hoover probably worked for the mob. You know, yeah, Uh, Meyer Lansky. Meyer Lansky, pretty much. It was a a pretty good guess that that Hoover worked for the FBI and that the FBI was either full of, was run by communists or Cubans, something, but they were never on our side. And then the CIA uh, is built out of the OSS and the OSS is built out of the Dulles Brothers, Dulles Brothers Investments, which represented Adolf Hitler. And... um, built out of uh, what they called a wild Bill Donovan or whatever, another uh, ass-kissing uh, Wall Street type.
0: and um, suspected Zionist British agent, wasn't he?
1: Pretty much, pretty much they all were, but all of these people came pretty out of... traders
0: traitors uh, and scumbags created our pol- national police agencies.
1: <laughs> exactly. And the point being is that all of the spy agencies... Come out of varying forms of Freemasonry is the term. If you don't, when we use the term Freemason here in the U.S., people think of folks in clown cars and uh, fish fries and Friday. I, I like
0: the little fez hats. I mean, that looks yes, sort yeah. of like maybe Algeria and Morocco used to.
1: Yeah, Schreiner guys. The Schreiner guys, and they don't don't necessarily least um, Freemasons have been around forever in the Middle East. There's nothing tied to Christianity and Freemasonry. You know, if you, this uh, worship of Moloch, Baal, Baphomet, which is what the Freemasonry is, is based on, uh, is quite a bit darker than Satan worship. You know, it, it, well beyond that. But Freemasonry ties This is where we found some very interesting things in doing research here at VT because we collectively, most of us are trained researchers to an extent. You certainly are. And we're digging around around to try to to create before we are all dead, which, you know, I'm I'm past my sell by date, certainly. uh, Some sort of durable history that if somebody really gave a shit, they could figure out why we got where we are, which is not a good place, basically. And when we go back to Iberian Peninsula, it's always a good place to start. 1492, you've got two countries, Spain and uh, Portugal, and they decide to throw the Jews out. And around the same time, in the Basque area, they, they set up a a group within the Catholic Church. Uh, the Jesuits, you know, uh, are suddenly created, and they uh, uh, begin a Let's say a, a mass slaughter of those who disagree with the Church for whatever reason, uh, as, an, as the Inquisition. But as we go into the background of who the Jesuits were, they seem to be from the exact same people that were expelled from, uh, because they were Jews. They just changed their religion to Catholic, they became Jesuits. They were
0: really sp- the Jesuits.
1: Jews, they really and, and have run the Vatican and uh, oh, yeah that's, that's Syria on they're uh, passing on some kind of useless intelligence as well. But um, when we move to the 20th century and uh, the issues with, let's say, Saddam as a Bathist or uh, the Assad family. Uh, or if we look at Egypt under uh, Sadat or Nasser, uh, and to an extent, uh, even at uh, Gaddafi. But we try to discuss those people as secular or socialist or whatever, and they're under the, the loose political issue of Ba'athist, and a Ba'athist is, is defined as an anti Uh, an anti-Freemason and the Freemasons uh, ran the Ottoman Empire you know from 1492 on or whatever 1468 is another date People, when when, uh, it was decided that uh, the Jews that were thrown out of elsewhere were going to be useful to the idiots in the Ottoman Empire because uh, they had wiped out the Eastern Roman Empire over a period of 500 years.
0: Well, wait, wait a minute, Gordon. If the uh, if if they ran the Ottoman Empire, why weren't they able to convince the Sultan to give them Palestine?
1: Well, you know when we when we look at uh, you're going to you're going to the Balfour Declaration in 1917. Right. But see, that,
0: that that was all necessary because when they were leaning as hard as they possibly could on the Ottoman leadership to uh, try to twist their arms and force them to hand over Palestine, and you know, in exchange for canceling all kinds of exponential debt, the Ottoman leadership said, "No way! Over our dead body! Uh, we'll never give you Palestine. That's you know, for, forever." And that's why they had to orchestrate World War One in order to take Palestine a different way.
1: Well, the, the point being is, though, let's, let's go back to the, uh, the Freemason young Turks to Salonica, which is mm-hmm. Thessalonica in Greece now. Yeah. Uh, what was it, 30,000 more Jews had settled in Thessalonica. Uh, it became the basic capitals of Freemasonry through the Ottoman Empire. But it also uh, became the center, which, you know, and, and of the group that came from there. Certainly, Ataturk was a uh, uh, was from Salonica and came.
0: These from, were all Sabb- Sabbateans. They were followers of the false Messiah, the Satanist uh, Sabbatiazivi. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, are we perhaps dealing with a a situation that had arisen? during the extreme decline of the Ottoman Empire after its occasional brushes with Britain and uh, Russia, you know, from 1870 on, the Crimean Wars and whatever, that, you know, at the beginning of World War One, the uh, Ottoman Empire was the sick man of Europe. It was the least capable, least survivable country. On the other hand, as the... Uh, Anzacs learned at uh, Gallipoli uh, however helpless Turkey was you didn't want to take on the Turkish army uh, mano a mano Uh, they were enormously capable but uh, this Freemason Empire that went together uh, starting in the late 1400s in Genoa Salonica, uh, Venice that moved into Germany, uh, certainly set up in uh, Schwabia and uh, uh, Frankfurt, that uh, took over Amsterdam, that built the Netherlands and then later Britain into maritime powers into policemen, into colonial uh, powers, all to serve you know what's turned out to be the history of the of the horrible West. Well, the history of the horrible West seems to have been written by Freemasonry that uh, came out of yeah these Sabbateans that uh, that we're discussing.
0: And and, and and let's back up here, Gordon, and reframe this a little bit in terms of the ideologies in the background. The Jewish messianic ideology, which gave birth to Sabbateanism, which is a kind of satanic uh, heresy that the the Jewish, the authentic Jewish version says the Messiah is going to be a Jewish world conqueror who will rule the earth from his throne in Jerusalem. And everybody's saying next year in Jerusalem, we can't wait till the Messiah comes. That's just no- normal Judaism. Then along come people like Sheptai Zvi, and there were others as well, uh, Abar Benel and so on, who said, well, we're going to be our own Messiah, which is the satanic view. And we're going to do it ourselves and spill blood and systematically violate the Ten Commandments, commit abominations and be Satanists and uh, become our own messiahs and take over Jerusalem and get on the throne of Jerusalem and rule the world that way. So that's the uh, those are the ideologies. Now, what is Freemasonry? Freemasonry is these Jewish millenarian messianic maniacs who have created uh, a bunch of bullshit to brainwash primarily the Christians, but also some Muslims into going along with this insane idea of uh, going back to Jerusalem, tearing down the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the greatest and oldest Islamic architectural monument and spiritual monument, and building a blood sacrifice temple from which a uh, one-world government will uh, take over the earth and be ruled by the so-called Jewish Messiah. Now, what do the Islamic and Christian scriptures say about this? They say that this so-called Jewish Messiah will be Antichrist. Okay, and, and uh, the Jewish and Christian religions say that the real Messiah is Jesus or Sidna Isa. And that's that's the, the true message from God is is that in the end times Jesus comes back. So the fight right now is between the forces of the Antichrist who are allied with satanic Jewish heretics who created Freemasonry to sucker Christians into their bullshit about rebuilding the temple uh, and, uh, and Hiram the Builder and yada, 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 uh, versus the we're dealing, of God.
1: We're dealing with these, these issues of rebuilding the temple at uh, Baalbek in um, the uh, Bekaa Valley, uh, what is it, 35 or 40 miles out of uh, uh, Beirut. We're dealing with the same things in Palmyra. Uh, and we may be dealing with uh, you know another one of these the three new temples uh, in Aleppo as well. So and, these are all like blood sacrifice temples. Well, blood sacrifice temples, but you know when we look at uh, at the West and how you know, and, and and people in the West who don't know their own history, which is everybody, uh, if you've learned history or studied history at any level in university. Uh, You get stupider every moment. But um, one of the things Ian used to push at me here was uh, Britain. The uh, William of Orange uh, sent over uh, 1701 to uh, um, restore order in a a color revolution, essentially, uh, being William of Orange, the name itself.
0: I guess that's the first color revolution.
1: It may have been the first color revolution. Uh, That the British theoretically owed uh, unnamed continental banking groups of some kind, which later we may have expressed under the name Rothschild. But, you know, at that time, we weren't moving that name around much. The uh, Rothschilds were not in in the position that they were in another hundred years. But the British owed 15 million guilders. uh, 40,000 uh, people were sent over, people, mercenaries were sent over by Britain. They put a new, a new government in and then set up the Bank of England and brought the Jews back. And Britain was built into a wonderful colonial power, uh, certainly took a strong position in the w- new world with what we know as establishing this country. The United States is lower Canada, you know, which I like to think of us as. And uh, as the U.S. was, uh, was built as well, and, and this is one of the issues we run into with the Federalists, where uh, almost all of the people involved in the U.S. Revolution, the American Revolution, were all Freemasons. But there's this special coloration within the, within the Federalists that ties to the Sabbateans. Uh,
0: and by federalists, are you talking about today's federalist society that's infiltrating the judiciary or are you talking about the original federal- sure, federalists sure. as opposed Both to anti-federalists?
1: They're built, they're built on the one's built on the ashes of the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was was Hamilton, you know, the uh, the child of the Caribbean uh, and uh, certainly Washington supposedly were always told that Hamilton was my greatest soldier uh, in know you know, someone murdered by what was then Vice President Aaron Burr. But um, the key issue with uh, with Hamilton had always been a bank, but had always been to maintain those ties with the uh, uh, with Britain that were going to survive a revolution. That was uh, because the idea was never to build a strong Britain (laughs) at all. That was never the point of the people who ran the Bank of England.
0: Any Uh, more than the point is to build a strong America. It
1: was was to build an America and a Britain and a France uh, of failed states that could be kept in eternal war with each other. And that that one or more could be uh, deployable where... The banking enforcers needed a navy to show up to conquer India or to bully the Chinese. You know, with the Britain's open door policy, you know, the Hayes-Fonseca Treaty or whatever. That we were always the bully boys, certainly in two world wars, for this same criminal gang.
0: And so, how, how does this how does this relate to? the apparent israeli nuking of beirut which has been so assiduously covered up by pretty much everybody except veterans today
1: and this is this for me you know and we have this you know what's the day's popular conspiracy theory you know with fetzer it was the the school where the kids at uh sandy the the school never existed it had been closed year before years before and the, the kids never existed and Maybe some of the things Fetzer said were true. Not all of them, not enough of them is the problem, but some of them were.
0: Some of them were highly outrageous and highly improbable on their face, such as the
1: school being closed. Yeah. But on the other hand, there were red herrings thrown in. Uh, You have FBI agents that are walking out with reporters behind them. They're speaking Hebrew to each other. Mm -hmm. It was a game.
0: So so I I suspect you're leading us from the red herrings that obscured the reality of Sandy Hook and led Jim Fetzer down the rabbit hole, the wrong rabbit hole, and the similar kinds of uh, events around the authentic videos of the apparent Israeli nuking of Beirut where all sorts of uh, strange uh, videos were strewn around to mislead people and to discredit the authentic videos.
1: Well, in the... uh... The issue with the authentic videos, I have an 18-minute video which you know you can connect up to something here. I've got it. Uh, I've got it. And it's on YouTube, and they've left it on there. Really, it's, it's, still, it's, not still doing on, it's still on there, and it's. I've got a one on Bitshoot, and then Press TV's got one on theirs. It was done for for Nader. Um, that night, I had gotten a call within minutes, and the call I got was from a general in Lebanon with their defense ministry. And he said, this is what I was told before anybody knew anything happened at all. The Israelis just attacked us. They fired a nuclear tip missile from an F-16 into the port and destroyed much of the city. Uh, And he sent me a video, and it was within 20 minutes of the attack, I received a video. Within the next hour or two, I got four or five more. And these videos showed, and I still have some of them around, but they're being hunted down like like renegade Roman slaves. You know, this is the Spartacus thing. Um, I'm the one that found the missiles in the video. Nobody put missiles in the video and, and sent those photos around. The cloud was still hanging over town. No one knew what hit them. I had a video here. I ran it frame by frame, and God only knows a missile shows up in it. I found it. Nobody else found it. I found it. I pulled the frames out. Uh, I color enhanced them. I put them on um, Corel, which is a lot easier to use for computer idiots than uh, Adobe Photoshop, I might add. Mm-hmm. That would, that's way better. Yeah,
0: I, I did my first book with Corel, by the way. My first book was uh, The Weird Tour Guide to San Francisco. I did all the maps of all of the neighborhoods of San Francisco in Corel Draw circa 1993.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I, I, use, I still use Corel Draw. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a somewhat later version, obviously, but uh, uh, it allowed me to manipulate the colors and to bring out a lot more detail than was otherwise there in the video. But once I pulled the frames out, but no one created any of the things, in the frames. And then the next day I saw the same videos I had, my video taken by CNN. And CNN went in and took out the three frames that had the missile in it and said that was the original. It was three frames shorter than the version I had. This
0: sounds like what somebody did to the Zapruder film.
1: Exactly. And so they're showing my film without... The video. Then we have this other video. I've got uh, a number of others. One, I've got a couple sitting in a uh, an apartment talking, uh, and this was sent directly to me, not picked up anywhere else. I have the original. I have them sitting on a file. I'm looking over there. cameras here. I've got two computer screens over there, so that's my tendency to look to the left. But um, I've got a couple sitting in an apartment, and they're watching Israeli planes flying around. You can hear the planes. And then one of the planes comes right over the apartment building. And there's already a fire down there. That's why they're taking, there's a a small fire and like a dumpster fire already down in the waterfront. An Israeli plane comes right over, F-16. And they're screaming no, no, no. And then poof, white flash Kablam, and the whole building moves. Uh, the play, you could see the plane going over, you could see it go in, you couldn't see it fire a missile, but those planes later no longer existed. I have the videos with the planes flying around. I have several, lots of people took videos. We have another video that was just a street cam, a 4K street cam, nice street cam. People are walking around the street and they're watching the planes, and they're standing here like this, and then they're watching him come in. You want to see people doing this? And then they—they're watching him come in for attack. And then all of a sudden, these people are picked up and slammed against a wall. The point is, they're over two kilometers away, and they're picked up and slammed into a wall.
0: This is a heck of an explosion.
1: Then we find other things that just I—I look at little things where—and you know, Beirut. I know Beirut. It's a nice town, by the way. It's one of the well, few I,
0: Actually, I, I can't say I know Beirut. I know people from Beirut. I've never visited Beirut. I've been invited. Oh, I, Last time I was invited, I couldn't go because the FBI said I would be arrested the moment I stepped off the plane when I came
1: home. I get, I, I, I get that occasionally. And uh, and now the people that, uh, that interrogated me, if I'm stopped, I just tell people that they're my FBI handler, and then they have to call them up. And it's just so much bother for everyone that it's- you know maybe
0: I should have done that. I, I, I never did the full interrogation with the FBI guy because I, I told him I wouldn't do it unless I could record it because I don't want them taking stuff out of context and his boss said he couldn't talk to me if I recorded it, so I never had that conversation with him. But from what you're saying, maybe I should have just talked to him and then from then on just told everybody, hey that guy's my handler, so this is all totally authorized. I can go hey. anywhere I want.
1: The first crew that came after me, and it's years ago, this was back when they uh, uh, first gone after Michael Flynn. And they were figuring that I was involved with Flynn because the Russians had asked me sometime in uh, probably 16 or so, uh, I was invited to set up a, uh, a veterans group that could travel to Russia and uh, meet with Russian veterans, and we could discuss our common interests. And uh, the Russians were setting it up, and it was to be run by Mike Flynn and me together.
0: Whose Uh, idea was this?
1: I don't know, but if if somebody told me it was a Russian spy agency, I'd consider that possibly the source of that, but yes, it was, it came from the Russian, it came from Russia.
0: Somebody in Russia.
1: Yeah, somebody, a, a, a friend there, you know. And, uh,
0: and, and VT's attitude is, we just want to promote dialogue uh, among interesting people from oh, all no, over I, the world, I, right? My
1: attitude is, I wanted a free trip, a really good hotel room, and then I wanted to visit, I had museums and things I wanted to do in Russia. And if they would do that, I'd go with Mike Flynn, I, and I'd dump him as quickly as possible, and then at some point during the trip, Mike Flynn and I would probably be on one of those bathroom breaks together, and Mike Flynn would get to try out some of that unarmed combat training that the Army had given him.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, you, you don't seem to really see eye to eye with Mike Flynn.
1: No, no, I would have probably slapped him around a bit. And... I well, that would have
0: been interesting. Yeah, that would probably go viral on YouTube. If you ever decide to slap Flinter around, be sure and invite me, and I'll, I'll bring my well,
1: I, 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 given a chance, I'd do it again. You know, Mike, Mike <laughs> likes to watch it. You know, don't mean anything bad here. But the, the first FBI, guys, I was down in Toledo. And uh, so rather, Carol was there. I was outside the house. Two guys came up. And I said, you know, what the hell? I'll talk to these guys. So we walked around for a while, about two and a half hours. And uh, these were the guys that it, it, they just left Flynn, and they said, "Well, we were told that you were going to be just like Flynn." And he said, "You, you're okay." And this is a quote from it was the head of FBI counterintelligence. You know, Gordon Flynn's a dick. Uh, the issue is the counterintelligence guys. I actually get to like them. These are and the guys who encountered counterterrorism uh, out of the Cleveland office. Um, I've had them over. You know, we've had meals together and stuff. You know, they're, they're basically sort of okay. And we have to measure that. You know, how do you maintain a job with the FBI when we look at the huge failures? You know, the FBI is supposedly here to protect the United States from all the things that have already happened to the U S you know, it's, uh, we've got Supreme court justices that clearly work for organized crime. We've certainly got the Israelis that they run a significant part of this country, but they did under Hansen and the FBI years ago, they've been doing it for a long time. And, um,
0: well, it would have been nice if the FBI nailed the Israelis for 9-11. Oh, I, I I, have,
1: you know, I have a wealth of materials. The materials I got in 2014 that, you know, I went through with Fetzer and gang when we were all working together and playing nice. Uh, we learned that those materials that I received came from an, a dissident FBI agent, um, who had sued the FBI after they put a bolo out on him and tried to have him killed. That's a, a special agent, Mike Dick. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, during one of my interrogations and, and I, I brought to Carol, to one just because it was Carol, how much fun was it watching me being interrogated for hours by the FBI? This one. How do I do? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what good, I did, good woman. Yeah. So what <laughs> shout I brought out, shout them, out to Carol. If people want if people want to eat, you bring them food. So I brought them a bunch of CIA classified material. Some of it horrifically embarrassing to the United States. I admit, you know, uh, proving our complicity in war crimes and other things. But I brought it along and offered to give it to them. And uh, it was. Pretty much like I'd pulled out a, a backpack and put a 30-pound spider on the table, you know, uh, mm-hmm. displeased. And then we had this talk about Mike Dick and 9-11 and the documents, and uh, we'd never heard of Mike Dick. And I, uh, I pulled up, uh, I had a laptop, so I pulled up the lawsuit of Mike Dick, Special Agent Mike Dick, who's also a U.S. Army colonel, by the way. And Mike Dick was the individual that ran the investigation of Israeli nuclear weapon uh, use after John O'Neill left the FBI. John O'Neill's the FBI agent that was killed in
0: 9-11. And here, here we're seeing the tie-in to, to Beirut, this yeah. issue of alleged Israeli mini-nukes, 9-11, Beirut, um, yeah. maybe uh, where, where else, that uh, Bali bombing, um, maybe the Hariri assassination I see at
1: Bali uh, that was um, the Soviet Union had a an investigative group called the 12th Directorate which investigated there are two separate worlds here the world of imaginary people well, like the one we're all supposed to be part of where nobody uses nuclear weapons because it, it's horrible TV t- you know except Every other TV show, somebody's stealing a nuclear weapon, building a dirty bomb, putting it in a vending machine, blowing this. Every third TV show is about stolen nuclear weapons, you know. Uh, so I meant that this was Kalazov, Dmitry Kalazov so many years ago. Kalazov believed that uh, somebody had recovered a Russian nuclear cruise missile and used it to attack the Pentagon on 9-11. Uh, and he was told that by people within the Russian security, and that uh, nuclear weapons were used to bring down the towers on 9-11, but that those weapons were built into the towers in 1964 or whatever when they were initially built, and I don't know that to be the case. There are nuclear weapons you can leave that long that may still work, and that would be gun-type U-235 weapons don't need a lot of updating because they don't have... Booster gas, they don't use plutonium, which breaks down 239 to 240, you know, very quickly. Uh, The tritium gas would have destroyed through embrittlement, H3 gas, many of the components of the bomb. So it would have been possible to do this, but unbelievably unlikely, like it would have been unlikely to have the 10 to 20,000 people stripping the towers down and coating them with nanothermite and 9-volt batteries. Which and, would, and
0: just as it would be unlikely to have, uh, have a big warehouse months. full of fertilizer uh, blow yeah. up in such a way as to look like a nuclear explosion in Beirut.
1: And so one of the things I dug up, uh, just as my slam dunk, and their kiss is important. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, the European Union has a label that they require on all ammonium nitrate fertilizer. And uh, that safety says that uh, don't let it catch fire because it may cause fumes, but it can't burn, Um, and that it can put out noxious gases uh, and don't try not to get it wet, but that it can't burn, can't explode under any circumstances. There's very little care warning about this. So the idea initially, the reporting on Beirut after I released my report, uh, it was claimed that 27,000 tons of fertilizer, and if you knew Beirut, I could probably break into a car dealership, Mercedes dealership preferably, in Beirut and steal all of the cars in a night and not get caught. There isn't a lot of police, not a lot of law and order. In
0: you could probably make more money doing that than you made from working for those uh, those sheiks uh, from the Gulf.
1: Oh yeah, they, they never pay their bills. Uh, there's collecting collecting owed money from Arabs is not easy.
0: To do. <laughs> okay, so so Beirut has lousy security.
1: Yeah, so, so let's the take cover that,
0: story is so thirty thousand pounds of of uh, of, of not tons, handful, but just fertilizer.
1: tons. tons. That's Tons, I'm understand sorry. this is an this entire shipload. First of all, twenty-seven thousand tons. Let's let's look at a ton. A ton is a bag. It actually comes in a bag. A ton bag is about so big. Okay, uh, six feet by six by eight by six by six is a ton of ammonium nitrate. Uh, and. Uh, 27,000, and it can't be stacked, by the way. You can't can't stack bags like that. It's just one at a time. Now, the issue would be if you want to sit down and do the the math on this, you can take the size of the building, you can take 27,000 tons, realize you can't double stack this, and realize that the entire port area wasn't big enough to handle 27,000 tons of fertilizer. Not that building. The building can hold... About eight hundred tons of fertilizer, not twenty-seven thousand. Zero is missing here.
0: Hmm. So, so, this is a really lame cover story.
1: Lame cover story. Now, ammonium nitrate can explode. Let's let's take this scenario for ammonium nitrate, and
0: uh, we, we only have about a minute and a half here, so
1: we're gonna. Have oh to get God, I was hoping I'd have hours. Anyway, to explode ammonium <laughs> nitrate, you need to do this, and I'll do the extent you would have. A hydrocarbon, fuel oil, even wax—it's a hydrocarbon. Uh, you would need a powdered metal substance, and I'm not going to mention which metal it is, but one that would be used for making a thermitic compound. Starts with an A. Yeah, and in order to make that hole, you would have to dr- uh, drill holes about 80 feet into the rock around around there. You would have to put carefully mixed, blended, and full. And I can't tell you how to make it. You use
0: you a wearing, wearing blender. You put the fertilizer in there, two cups of fertilizer, one cup of fuel oil, and you turn on the blender. Then you pour that out. And you do it again and again and again and again. again, again so you don't out, to blow it, up
1: the it has to be exploded with TNT. Well, as part of that process now, when their initial story in the fertilizer failed, they came back to saying, well, we had four or five barrels of oil in a building next door. Oh, there That's- you go. When that didn't work, and we had some of the other materials were just across the street. I call it the cake mix. Said- you know,
0: Gordon, long story short, this is such an insane cover story. But if anybody goes and protests this and supports the honest investigation and protests you know, against shot, lies, Texas they get shot protested. by snipers. Yeah, just What's like
1: just like it was made on again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so
0: so this was like Hez- pro-Hezbollah demonstrators who were calling for an honest investigation into the Israeli nuking of Beirut, and then suddenly snipers are mowing them down.
1: So only in this country do people, and according to our media, do people believe the fertilizer story, and the point is you can oh go to your garden store, you can buy ammonium nitrate and uh, hit it with a blowtorch, do whatever you want.
0: There you go. I mean, that will, uh, major American cities will be going up in fireballs uh, due to the farmers with their fertilizer. Okay, well, Gordon Duff, it's uh, it's always good talking to you and, and cutting through the BS on some of these things. So I appreciate your good work. Keep up. Okay, up
1: if, we'll, uh, we'll talk again. If we're entertaining again. people, that's all that matters. I guess. <laughs> nothing's more important than. do
0: that. Okay, take care. It's Gordon Duff, Senior Editor of Veterans Today. This is Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett. Back in the next hour with a couple of freedom activists and writers. Well, Kat McGuire is the activist and Tessalina is the writer. Were- uh, Kat's going to talk about Intel Pro in the freedom movement, so stick
1: around for that. When the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, indicating that-